Hola, hola, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Hola Comadre Podcast. I am your host, Jasmine Del Toro. Um, before we get started, guys, I just wanted to take a little, quick minute just to tell you guys thank you so, so much for all of you who have reached out to me, um, who have given me your input. Honestly, you guys, it is so greatly appreciate, appreciated. Um, you know, just the fact that you guys take the time to listen to these, you know, 30-minute podcast episodes, you know, it's amazing like and I'm, I've heard from so many different people from you know my supporters from the mother diaries you guys have been the ones who've been supporting me since I first started you guys I value you guys so much and the fact that you're following me on my journey through with Monate with my podcast like I just I appreciate you guys you guys are amazing um and my family members my friends um I even had friends reach out to me from like high school and middle school um you know even though high school doesn't seem that long ago it's been pretty damn long um but still like it just the fact that you guys are you know taking the time it just it really means a lot to me and the, hear, to hear that you guys are liking the podcast and you know it just it lets me know that I'm where I'm supposed to be so I'm super super thankful for that um so let's get into it right let's get into this episode um so we're gonna start off with the cheese of the week um and it's a good one it's it's a happy one for me um, actually there's two cheesemas, but let's, let's do with the happy one first. Um, so if you guys follow me on Instagram, you guys know, I always talk about my obsession with Starbucks cups, right? Um, and I actually just recently, like not recently, but like in September had real found out that there's actually like a, these cups are actually a big deal. And I never realized that there was like a Starbucks cup community, but there is, I mean, I knew people collected them, but I didn't realize it was like a craze like people literally get up at the butt crack of dawn on release days to get these cups and if they're really limited edition they'll buy all of them and try to flip them and sell them for triple the cost it's it's insane um so there was one that was gonna be that was released on the 5th it was a matte black studded starbucks cup and it was actually a re-release it was originally released in like 2018 when all like the matte colors were in it was like the trendy thing um, it sold out super fast. People were selling it for like $200, $300. Um, insane. So when I found out it was going to be re-released this year, I told my husband like, no, we got to try to get this cup because I know it's going to sell it like crazy. And I'm, you will never catch me spending $200 on a Starbucks cup. No, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is. I'm not going to do it. So we tried getting it that morning. Didn't work. I mean, mostly because a lot of Starbucks stores were closing down due to COVID. Like, you know, whether like they had an employee who tested positive. So there, a lot of them were shutting down in like um, San Diego. So only so many were state were open. So if you could imagine, you have the same amount of people looking for this cup and not so many stores to look for. Um, so it sold out super fast. Luckily, <laughs> I'm a part of a Facebook group um, for Starbucks collectors, and I have a couple Starbucks cup buddies and I was able to get a cup and not have to pay like double the cost which was awesome um I was even able to get one I was even able to get one for a friend of mine um who also likes to collect them so super stoked on that so that was my cheat like that's like my big win for the week um now for my loss of the week um if you guys have followed me for the last like month or so on my Instagram stories even on this up on the podcast I, I talked about it I've been on, you know, the search for a planner, took me forever to pick one, picked one, ordered it, it's been two weeks, I still don't have it. And so Erin Condren, your, like, your customer service sucks, your every, like, I don't know, I'm hoping this planner is worth, so I'm not going to completely bash them. Just their order process is awful, and to reach out to customer service is awful, so I just, I've had a week trying to get back and forth with the customer service, see where my planner is. Um, I finally got a tracking number today. It should be here Monday, but still it was supposed to be here on the 11th. And it was, should have been here sooner because I had paid for overnight, but whatever. That's my, ugh, 
I just, I don't know. I was not happy. So yeah, I still don't have a planner. Hopefully my planner comes and I hope, hopefully just, it's just amazing. That's my hope. Um, okay, you guys. So that was my cheesement and I want to do a quick thank you. I'm going to go on a quick little break here and we're going to come back and go into our topic, which is actually more of a story time um, for this episode. Um, we're actually going to be talking about Maverick's birth story. Um, I've actually got a lot of questions about Maverick's birth story, like throughout um, my pregnancy, not, well, not throughout my pregnancy, but a lot of people would like talk to ask me questions about my pregnancy or even after he was born. Um, so I thought what better way to do it than with the podcast. And he actually just turned a year on the 6th. So I figured what better time to do it. Um, so it's gonna be a quick little story time and kind of like in comparison to my son, my eldest son, like his birth story. So I think this would be like good for, you know, first time moms or even seasoned moms, you know, that can relate to, um, obviously giving birth and everyone's story is different. So I'm super excited for you guys to hear it. And you guys will hear that right after this commercial break. Hey, comadre, guess what? Te tengo un chisme, pero bueno. Prepara el cafecito. You gotta hear me out. Oh, my goodness. You're listening to the Hola Comadre podcast hosted by Jasmine Del Toro. Okay, guys, welcome back. Um, So let's get into this, yeah? So... We're getting into Maverick's birth story. Um, this is a topic that I have been asked about since I had him, even like during my pregnancy with him. I've got a lot of questions about it. Um, and now he just turned a year. And so I figured what better time to talk about it than after his first birthday? Because um, his story has definitely, it's in comparison to my firstborn, his name is Max. It's so different. They were so different. The pregnancies were completely different. The deliveries were completely different. And I went into my second pregnancy thinking, like, I'm a seasoned vet. Like, I went, you know, through a crazy, not a crazy pregnancy, but it was considered a high-risk pregnancy. Um, I had a C-section, like, you know, and it was like a walk in the park. Um, And then, obviously, you know, Max had his medical condition, so we went through therapies and hospital stays and... I thought I was, I could handle my second pregnancy. And honestly, Maverick's was harder than Max's. So with that being said, if you are a first, you know, if you're, you know, either first time mom or you're newly pregnant or you're, you know, planning on having kids, like don't let this story scare you. Um, you know, a lot of people told me when I was pregnant with Max, my firstborn, they're like, don't listen to the stories, like try to avoid it. But for me, I'm the kind of person that I want to know what to expect. So I was reading the books, I was reading all the articles, you know, all the Instagram moms and all that stuff, which don't get me wrong, reading the books is good. The articles, whoever you, you know, you look up to as influencers, fine, but don't take that as that's your literally going to be your story because it won't. Um, You know, it might be similar. It might be completely different. I mean, it it can give you a kind of an idea of what could possibly happen to you or how your labor will possibly go, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be your story. And don't freak out about it because, I mean, you're already pregnant. (laughs) I mean, if you are, you know, pregnant, Um, but just don't let it, don't let this scare you. Um, and if you're a seasoned mama, I want to hear back from you guys, you know, whether you've had a similar story like mine or something, you know, way off the wall or something way different. I totally want to hear from you guys. So definitely, um, you know, leave reviews on, on Apple podcast or, you know, DM me on the Ola Comadre, um, Instagram page. I want to hear from you guys in regards to this. Um, and throughout this story, you're going to hear me probably go back in comparison to, or in compare Max's. Because I feel like that's kind of what I based it off of. Um, and honestly, Max's, my pregnancy with Max was a walk in the park in comparison to Maverick. Um, and, and with both, I was high risk um, and had an emergency emergency C-section with Max. But even with that, and I like freaked out, like his heart rate, um, he was under distress. Um and I freaked out for like a good 10, 15 minutes when they told me I was having an emergency, emergency C-section, but the procedure itself, super quick, super, pain. like I wasn't in any pain. Um, 
and I literally like even like after like recovery time I almost like forgot that I even had major surgery like I would forget until like I moved a certain way and I was like oh crap like I just had surgery um so it was a walk in the park um you know aside from like my hospital stay experience it was it was easy um and obviously with with Max having his medical issues and going you know through different therapies and and hospital stays like I you know when I found out I was pregnant with Maverick I thought you know I can handle this like if I went through everything I did with Max like this is going to be a walk in the park and boy, was I wrong. Like, when they say pregnancies and deliveries are different, like, they weren't kidding. Like, they were polar opposite. Um, so I found out I was pregnant with Maverick mid-May of 2019. And at that time, my pregnant my pregnancy, my periods were super regular because I have, um, I also do have PCOS, which is polycystic or uh, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, so I take medication to help regulate my periods. And at that time, they were super spot on. Like, they were to the day. And if I was late, it was literally a day, if that, or a day early. Um, And so I had missed my period. Um, I was one day late, and I just was like, told my husband, like, let's get a pregnancy test. Because at that time, we weren't necessarily trying, but we weren't necessarily preventing. We were kind of like, let go and let God. Um, And because we had originally, when we after we had Max, we had, you know, said like, oh, you know, we're gonna maybe try after Max is a year. But after his medical concerns, we're like, okay, let's just push it back a little bit. So by this time, Max was two. And we were like, okay, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, we're still blessed with our son. And plus, obviously, with um, Max having autism, there is a higher risk of my second born having autism, I think it's like a 20% chance, 20% more of a chance of Maverick having it as opposed to if Max didn't have autism. Um, so that, you know, definitely weighed in there too. So that's, I was like, uh, let go and let God, if it happens, it happens. So when I was late, we got a test kind of just to, you know, just to take it. But at the same time, I wasn't really expecting to get a positive. And what's super weird, so I'm going to, I'm going to go back to when I was pregnant with Max and I literally cringe. I can't, I, I'm kind of embarrassed to even tell the story. So when I was pregnant with Max, when I found out I was pregnant, I was two weeks late. Um, at that time I, my, I wasn't taking my medication regularly for my PCOS. So my periods were all over the place and I was just so busy with life that I didn't realize I was two weeks late. Um, and I took the test by myself. I didn't even tell my husband, well, my then boyfriend, his name, you know, I didn't tell Izzy that I was late. I just, so I went and bought three tests and all three of them were positive. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't want, like, I, not that I didn't think he was gonna, like, be upset. I didn't think he wasn't, I didn't think he was gonna be upset. But, you know, I've watched a lot of Lifetime movies. You know, I've, you know, watched... I've watched a lot of shows, so I was, like, thinking worst-case scenario, and, you know, him and I, we, we had, we've been together for a couple years already. We had talked about settling down. We had talked about, like, our futures together and having kids, but at the time, we weren't talking about settling down, like, at that moment. We were still having fun, going to amusement parks, going away for the weekend, like, so it was just, it wasn't what we were planning, so when I found out, I was like, I don't want to, like, I was scared to tell him. And so I didn't do it in a cute way. Like, it wasn't Instagram-worthy at all. I literally sent it, I sent him a picture of the pregnancy test test via text. And it was, like, when he was, he was working late. So he was by himself, like, working. And I just sent it to him. And, like, I don't even think I said anything. I was just like, ta-da! And because I was afraid. I was afraid, of, like, I was afraid that I was going to hear something that I was, like, negative or that he wasn't going to be happy. And I just, I didn't want to be there for it. So I just kind of like, yeah, send him a text message. But obviously it worked out. You know, he was happy. Now we're married. Now we have two kids. But so the second time around, he was there when I took the test and we were super happy. But then, and it's weird. Like, I feel like even the times that I've taken pregnancy tests thinking that I was pregnant and it was negative and like kind of like getting like that disappointment afterwards, like, it was, like, opposite. Like, I was super excited, and then all of a sudden, reality hit. Like, I was like, oh, my God, there's going to be two of them. Like, this is real. Like, this, this, this isn't a conversation anymore. Like, 
I'm gonna have two kids now oh my gosh like how am I what what like and all of a sudden like the panic came in and the Virgo in me came in and within like the first two hours of finding out that I was pregnant I was researching doctors and researching hospitals and looking up double like I was going like back and forth looking up double strollers looking up different bottles looking up different like within the two hours of finding out that I was pregnant and I was like oh my goodness like what am I doing and, but I mean, reason being is because I, as easy as Max's delivery was and my pregnancy was, I had a really bad experience at the hospital that I delivered at. Um, the nurses, there was very limited nurses. Um, I had some really bad ones. There was no lactational nurse. They kind of like left me to fend for myself. And plus Max had medical concerns. He had feeding issues. And the nurses didn't want to listen to my concerns. They kind of just like said, oh, you know, you're a first time mom, babies cry. You don't kind of like, you don't know what you're talking about. Just, you know, like they just wanted me out the door and it ended up being right. Max was aspirating formula. Like I should have listened to my instinct and advocated for him and I didn't. So I kind of wanted to make sure that I didn't have the same issue this time around, even though I loved my OB. My OB was amazing. I was just scared for the hospital. So I was already researching like different hospitals, different, you know, um, OBs in the area. I wanted to get the best of the best. Um, and I tried going with, you know, one OB like center that I heard that was really good. Um, but they didn't want to see me earlier than eight weeks. And that's common. Um, you know, you, normally they wait to see you at eight weeks because that's when they can actually see the baby on the monitor. Um, and obviously there's risk with going too early because then they don't find anything and then it just becomes a worry, stressful thing, which is exactly what happened to me. Um, but I needed to go and see somebody earlier because since I have PCOS and I take other medications, I have to switch my medications when I'm pregnant. So that was my biggest concern is I needed to keep my keep medications for, you know, that I needed to take, but I needed to switch them to a different brand or a different type of medication. Um, so the only person I could see or that was willing to see me was my old OB, which mind you, I wanted to keep her, but I didn't want to deliver at that hospital. So, um, after talking to her about it, like she was willing to see me, I told her my concerns, um, and that I didn't want to deliver at the hospital. And so she assured me like, you know, let's, I want to keep you. Like, if you still want to keep me as your OB, like this would be great. Like I'll, you know, I'll advocate for you. And also, and she kind of like reassured me that, you know, you're not a, a first time mom anymore. You know, you can advocate for yourself. Like you can, you know, you know what to expect now and you're not afraid to speak your mind. And I'm like, that's true. So she's like, I just, you know, if you really want to keep me, like that's just the hospital I deliver at. And I'll make sure to, like, you know, let the nurses know when you come in, like your experience and let like the head, you know, nurse know and we'll make sure that you don't have that same experience. So I was like, okay, let, let's just, that that was my plan. And we had planned to do a scheduled C-section, um, obviously, since I had already had a C-section in the past, um, and knowing, you know, my, my being high risk again. Um, so we had a plan. Um, but it wasn't easy, like it sounded. It, um, because I went in early, um, it was hard to see the baby on the monitor. So the first couple weeks, I was going back every week to try to see the baby on the monitor. And we weren't seeing it. And it was, it was so heavy on my heart. Like I was starting to panic. Like what if this baby wasn't real? And I was already so in love with this baby. And I was, just, I was getting really, really upset. And even like when I would go do Mother Diaries events, because I think I had a couple back to back during that month. Um, and they couldn't, um, they, they couldn't find the baby. Like they would, they would see like the empty, like little sack thingy, but I guess there, there wasn't like a like the little sack that's supposed to be in it um and or the fetal pole they couldn't see like a, anything so it was really nerve-wracking and I remember being like super stressed out I remember seeing um my friend um Raquel she um oh when I get my stones from and she knew something was wrong with me and she like was able to like I don't know she was just she's amazing but she was able to like relax me and and talk to me. I didn't tell her I was pregnant, but she knew something was going on. Um, so I was super thankful that I actually um, was stationed next to her during this event because she definitely calmed my nerves. Um, and I think like that following like week, I ended up seeing um, the baby on the monitor. I actually had to go to a radiologist to get um, a better viewing and 
we ended up seeing the baby, which was awesome. Um, but even from there, like, that was, like, what set the tone of my pregnancy. Um, I ended up having, um, more risks, which would, um, more, more things happened throughout my pregnancy. Um, and what was weird is right from the gate, I was super big. Like, I was super bloated. Like, at, like, 12 weeks when I announced my pregnancy, I looked like I was 20 weeks. So it was insane, like, how big I was getting. And what ended up being is the reason why I was getting so big is I had high AFI levels. So I had extra amniotic fluid, which I didn't think would have been a big issue because it's, it's just fluid. But I guess it could be really dangerous for the baby um, if it gets to be too much. Um, so they were monitoring it throughout my pregnancy. Um, and then um, I kept getting like this itching, um, probably right around, I don't know, I think I want to say 25 weeks is when I started to get really, really bad itching. And I had read about, because again, like I like to know what to expect and different things that could happen. Um, and I ended up, you know, I had read about cholestasis and I had told my doctor about it. My concerns, which cholestasis is, it's a liver condition that occurs like during late pregnancy. It um, triggers like intense itching, itching, which what I was getting, but I wasn't getting like rashes or anything. Um, and it was, it was like all on my stomach and like my hands. Um... And it's super uncomfortable, and I guess it can complicate things at the end of pregnancy. Um, but I know it has to do with, I don't know if, like, you have, um, I don't know if it's, like, you extra bile or something. I think it has to do with extra bile. But it's just, it's an issue with your liver producing extra bile, I believe. And it's could be toxic to the baby later on in pregnancy. So they don't, they don't like to deliver you after 37 weeks. So that's why I was trying to be, like, on it. Um, but after like all the labs, lab results, I wasn't getting anything back, but I was still, you know, getting super big. And then right around, I want to say 32 weeks, maybe, which is right. Literally, like I'm already in my third trimester by this point. Um, I go to one of my, that's when I started my doing my, um, um, NSTs, which is your non-stress test. And that's when I would go once a week or twice a week and I would go on I'd be connected to a monitor to see like the baby's movements and see if he's under any distress while he's doing these movements um and then they were also checking my um AFI levels and at that point I was getting really big and at 32 weeks um she had to like notify my doctor because I guess there was like a limit that my doctor was like looking at and I had passed that limit and my OB basically dropped me at 32 weeks and I lost it. Like, I was literally at the hospital, like, crying. I didn't know what to do. Like, my doctor, like, I, luckily her office was right next door to the hospital. And I had to go pick up my discharge paperwork because she discharged me. But she talked to me and she was just like, you know, it's not that I don't want to deliver you. It's just you're becoming too high risk to where I feel comfortable with. And I don't want anything to happen to you. So I want to, you know, refer you to colleagues that I know that handle people um that are more high risk and that are known you know or, or can take better care of you so she made me feel more comfortable that's one thing and that's what I loved about her she was so straightforward and she had like the best bedside manner so and my one of my biggest thing is I what I loved about her is you know she did the surgery really well to where I didn't feel any pain um and she was just great like she was I had just had the best experience with her and also because she was actually the one who delivered my baby. And, you know, usually, like, even with, like, my friends who've had kids, usually their doctor is never the one that delivers their kid. So I was super nervous about that. Like, even when I was researching, looking at doctors, I didn't know, like, I didn't want to have, you know, one OB and then having someone else, like, come and deliver my baby. But, you know, whatever. So she ended up referring me to um, UC San Diego, um, down in La Jolla, which was a little further than, you know, where I was hoping to go. But I went and I met, you know, I had to go to like the ER to establish care. And, um, luckily I got in touch with, um, the perinatologist who, who was actually, his name is Dr. Moore. And he is a known, like he's known, like he has, like, I think he even has like a building like named after him and like, He's been in like magazines. He's really well known and has gotten all these awards. So I started to feel super comfortable. And when I met him, he was just 
the best bedside manner. He was, you know, definitely very comforting because I was starting to freak out. And obviously he deals with high-risk pregnancies on a daily basis. So I just, I knew I was in the right place. Um, and then, you know, he, we had scheduled my C-section already, like, and their technology at that hospital or that even like that center was way different than the technology that my my old OB had like it their technology was so much more advanced and I just felt so much more safe with them so I was definitely happy that that's the route that it went um obviously and I had to do NSTs there um so I was seeing different um OBs at the you know even though he was like my main doctor like I would see different OBs throughout you know that time um and I only had, like, a short time with him because, again, I was already 32 weeks by the time I met him. Um, but I had my sur- I had my surgery scheduled. We were scheduled for January 21st. I was kind of bummed. I wanted to do January 20th, but I guess they couldn't that day. Because how cool would that be to be 1-2020? Um, which didn't happen anyways, but... Um, so he was scheduled for the 21st. Um, but... I know the itching was getting worse and I was getting really super uncomfortable at the end of my pregnancy. I was getting super big like and I know a lot of people say like oh you know I was huge throughout my pregnancy or at the end like no like I was huge like I looked like I was having twins. I looked like I was ready to pop you know a month two months before I was ready to have my baby. Um, So I even think like at like 33, 34 weeks I had went to go get um I had to do like, and I also had to do like different anatomy screenings, um, more than, you know, usual, like, cause they wanted to make sure there was like no heart defects. Um, and because I was so big, like it was hard to get clear view of the baby's heart. So they had to like do more in depth, um, ultrasounds. So, and I did this from 32 weeks to whatever, when I had him at 37 weeks. Um, but literally I remember like seeing, like I could see like like his hair like lining it was like this the the technology there was so much better but I remember like at like 34 weeks 35 weeks I think 34 weeks um I you know the nurse was looking at the ultrasound like getting like weight measurements and and stuff and she's you know asked me like hey like do you want to do a 3d and I'm like oh can I she's like yeah why not you know like I was like okay cool like normally I would have to go and pay for it but sure so she did it and oh my god my baby was huge like I was literally like I was scared like they were telling me that he was already weighing like nine pounds at 35 weeks or 36 weeks and I'm like oh my god this kid is gonna be like huge like oh my gosh this is this is a big baby um and I remember even going to like my best friend and like showing her the picture like right afterwards because I um she worked with my husband and I remember like when I went to go drop off my husband after that visit I like called her I'm gonna come out here and I just, like, showed her the picture, like, here, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I'm scared. Like, this is, this is a big baby. He's, like, 10 pounds, like, or 9 pounds. Like, that's how big my son was when he was, like, Max, he was 9'9". Nine, nine. Like, he weighs as much as Max did when Max was born. Like, I was freaking out. And so, um, what ended up being at the, like, at the end of my pregnancy, I, I was super miserable. I was getting really bad Braxton Hicks. And which I never experienced with Max, like, at all. So I was thinking I was going to go into labor any minute. Um, it didn't happen. Um, but what ended up happening was, um, which I had mentioned in a previous episode, um, my uncle passed away on the 2nd of January. Um, that following day, I had a doctor's appointment. I had an NST, which is that non-stress test. And I went in, um, and they were telling me, like, oh, you know, like, your babies. I don't know if they couldn't get enough, like, something about the movement and they were, they were concerned and they noticed that my blood pressure was high and they're like well that's weird like you haven't had high blood pressure like throughout your pregnancy like or bad high uh, high blood pressure throughout your pregnancy and so like we'll just monitor it you know throughout the week and I ended up like I think I, that week I ended up having to or that day they ended up having me go to the hospital like to be monitored like they were they weren't sure if they needed to keep me because they couldn't get like enough like they need to get so many kicks like throughout like being on the monitor and they couldn't get enough so they're like okay go to the hospital so I went to the hospital for observation they kept me there till like midnight and finally like my blood pressure lowered they got the movements they needed and then I got discharged um and then I want to say maybe like a day later I went back because they wanted me to go back again and then my blood pressure was high again 
Um, and I want to say, yeah, because I want to say I ended up going back on the, th that's so weird. I ended up going back the next day to, cause it wanted me to do it again. And my blood pressure was high again. And she was like, no, you go back to the hospital. And so I went back to the hospital and they're like, no, we're going to keep you overnight to observe you. I was like, okay. So, and at this time, like, you know, we're, we're dealing with, you know, my uncle's death. So my, my family, like my, you know, they were all, my mom's side, like the, originally when I was planning to have Maverick, my mom was going to be the one to take care of Max while my husband was with me. But with having, you know, her brother passing, like she was, you know, trying to comfort my aunt and, you know, be there for my grandma and my grandpa. And at the same time, my grandma was um, at a rehabilitation facility because she had fallen like the week of Christmas. So it was just a lot for the whole family. So I just, I didn't want to be that extra burden. So me, you know, just wanting to help out. I told my husband, you know, you take care of Max. I'll stay here. You know, just let's, I'll be fine. So basically I stayed overnight. They got the movements. They got my blood pressure down. Um, and sure enough, like they're like, okay, we're going to discharge you. Just, you know, we're going to follow, you know, your, um, just keep checking like your blood pressure. If your blood pressure goes above 140, come back. And I was like, okay. So I went throughout my day, chipped my tooth that day from crunching ice because I was obsessed with crunching ice throughout my, that's another thing is I was obsessed with crunching ice throughout my whole pregnancy. Like I wanted to chew on ice my whole pregnancy. And I, I was like that with Max at the end of my pregnancy, but this one was literally throughout my whole pregnancy. It was obsessive. Like if I wasn't chewing ice, I was thinking about it and it was bad. Um, so I even like chipped my tooth on ice the day after I was, or that night, that I, that morning that I was discharged from the hospital. And I was like, great. It was a Saturday. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, how am I going to, it was the fourth. I remember I'm like, how am I going to, like, there was no dentist to fix my tooth. I was like, oh. I'm like, okay, whatever. Went on throughout my day. And then before bed, I checked my blood pressure because my grandfather had a blood pressure cuff. And sure enough, it was above 140. So I called the, the, um, the triage, um, and labor and delivery. And I told them my, you know, my blood pressure reading. They're like, nope, you need to come now. And I was like, oh, great. So here I go at 10 o'clock with my husband to, um, to the hospital. And thankfully, you know, my mom stayed with Max overnight. Um, and they're like, no, like you're going to stay here. You're, you know, this is, you know, you're not, you're going to deliver the baby. And they ended up like doing like lab work and they ended up seeing that I had a cholestasis. So they're like, no, like for sure, like you're having the baby, like maybe tomorrow, I'm not sure. Um, so just stay overnight. And so what ended up happening is my husband, we stayed overnight. My husband left first thing in the morning to help take care of Max. Um, and then he came back at night because um, what ended up happening, or not even, or did it? Yeah, he ended up coming back at night. But we had ended up over the thinking I was going to have him Sunday. But what ended up being is they decided to wait until that Monday to, to go for me to go um, and have a C-section. Because um, I don't know if maybe they just if it wasn't like dire emergency and I think they wanted to wait till I was exactly 37 weeks. Um, so I ended up planning to have him on Monday and I was nervous, but I was kind of like. I was calm. Like, I was like, okay, like, I've done this before. Like, we're good. Um, this is a really good hospital. Um, but what ended up being, because it wasn't planned, my OB, that, you know, Dr. Moore, he was on vacation. I was planning to have, you know, a C-section with him on the 21st, not the 6th. But whatever, I ended up getting, her name was Dr. Tarsa. She was this, you know, uh, I don't know what descent she, or what her ethnicity is. But she's this, like, short but very confident woman. And even the nurses are like, you're going to like her. She's really good. She's very, very good at what she does. And I was like, okay. So I talked to her. She was very, very, very confident. You can tell she was, like, her bedside manner was a little more, um, it wasn't as, like, calming as Dr. Moore. But she was very straight to the point and very reassuring. So I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Um, and then I meet the anesthesiologist. And he was this kind of, I don't want to say he was, he was, he was trying to fake the funk, I think is what it was. I think he was a little bit more of a newbie. Um, but 
he, I know I gave him, you know, benefit of the doubt. And plus my, uh, my anesthesiologist with Max, my firstborn one, he was, he was good looking and he was a, like super funny. And I like love funny guys. And he made me feel super, super comfortable, you know, especially cause he was sticking a needle down, down my back. So I was just like, okay, like this guy, he, he knows what he's doing. Like when it came to like Max, um, Maverick's delivery and mind you, let me tell you, Jake, the Jacobs facility, um, at UC San Diego is amazing. Like they're delivered. Like I didn't obviously didn't deliver that. Like I didn't have a vaginal birth, but like where, cause they have different floors. We're like at the hospital I did with Max, the room that you're in is the room that you deliver in the room that you stay in, um, until you leave. So this one, there was a, there's a triage room. There's the room that you deliver and there's a room that you recover in. Um, so I was in all three. So, um, they put me in the room where you deliver in until like overnight before I went into my season to my surgery. And oh my gosh, that was the most, like, I felt like it was like was super high up. I don't remember what floor I was on, but it was floor to ceiling windows. So if you could imagine when the curtains are open, it's like full on light. It's like you're in the sky. It's the most relaxing view. And I'm like, this is, I could, I could imagine like people giving birth and just feeling like so relaxed. I mean, that wasn't my case. I had to go into the operating room, but I just felt really at peace beforehand. Um, so we, anyways, so let's get into the, cause I know this is getting a little long. So I went into the operating room with the anesthesiologist and this time instead of being on the bed and I, I'm going to kind of backtrack really quick. So with the anesthesiologist with Max, I was afraid to get the epidural too late. So I wanted it as soon as I started feeling contractions with the Pitocin and I was getting really uncomfortable. Like it wasn't unbearable. It was irritating because my what was happening with the Pitocin is I wasn't getting a break through my contractions. Like I would get them and they weren't super strong to where like I couldn't handle them. They just felt like really bad cramps, but they wouldn't go away. Like they were like back to back to back to back to back. So I was like, no, just give me an epidural because I remember one of my aunt's friends telling me how she like got it too late. I think even my best friend got it too late. And I was like, no, like I didn't know since I didn't know how bad labor really felt. I had freaked out and I got, you know, um, my epidural super early, but it was super easy. Like I had a really good experience with my anesthesiologist, you know, um, they, you know, came into the hospital, um, into my hospital room and they just like sat up on the bed and they did it that way. So this was a little different cause I was in the operating room and they kind of, I was on the bed, but the bed was lifted higher. Like, so I was kind of like at standing and mind you, this anesthesiologist was a very tall dude. He had to at least have been six two, maybe taller. So for a B to be at his eye level or his like where he needed to be, I was lifted really high. And I remember like being hunched over and the nurse like holding on to me and just like, you know, telling me to calm down. And so he was starting to do the epidural, but I started getting really, really sharp pains down my left leg. And I just like, I'm, t- I'm telling him like, I'm, I'm getting pain down. I'm getting shooting pains down my left leg. I'm getting shooting pains down my left leg. And so he would take it out. And then like, there was, I think, I don't know if it was like a senior anesthesiologist that was watching. So maybe he was like, I'm telling you, he was new. And she was like, well, what kind of pain? I'm like, it's a sharp pain. Like I'm telling you, it's a shooting pain down my left leg. And I'm like arguing with this lady. And I'm like, almost, and I'm trying to be brave. I'm I'm starting to shake. And like the nurse is telling me, she's like, you can tell them it's enough. Tell them it's enough. Like stop trying to, you know, don't worry about them. Like you need to stop being brave. And that's what I was doing. You know, I was like, trying to put on this tough girl, you know, attitude when really I was scared because I kept getting the shooting pain. And so like he, I think he went in like twice, maybe three times. And finally she was like, okay, she's like, bring her down. And so they ended up doing something else or she had said like, she had mentioned about them going higher up and I was like, okay. And sure enough, she did it and it was fine. Like I felt fine. But what they didn't tell me was because they went higher up, I was now numb, not from the waist down, from the chest down. And oh my God, that was <laughs> the most insane feeling ever. So, and I don't know, like it, this, this was way different than 
when I had my epidural with Max or having my C-section with Max because I had already had the epidural with Max because I was waiting, you know, for, because I was planning just to have a regular induced labor. I wasn't planning to have a C-section. So when I went in, I don't know if he put, like, I remember the anesthesiologist telling me, like, it's actually better that you already have an epidural in place. Um, and something I I remember him, I was kind of like woozy, but I remember him telling me like, it's better that you did it this way as opposed to a planned C-section. Cause I don't know if there's a difference or they give you different medic, like medication or pain medication. But, um, I remember feeling like super like tired with Maverick and all of a sudden I was numb from the chest down. And with that, I couldn't feel myself breathe. So I started to panic and like, I'm like, I can't feel myself breathe. Again, they're like, no, like, it's because you're numb from the, you know, chest. I'm like, well, you could have told me, like, you know, prepare me for this. So then I started to panic. And I'm like, I can't panic because I need to be relaxed. I need to be able to, to, you know, be okay. And that was my biggest thing is I was so relaxed with Max. Like, I just kind of had this sense of calm, even though I was super nervous, that I needed to have that same for Maverick. So I was just like, I was trying not to panic. So I, I the only way that I couldn't, that I saw myself not panicking was talking because if I was talking that meant that I was alive because I couldn't feel myself breathe and so like I remember the anesthesiologist telling me like Jasmine just close your eyes just relax I'm like no I'm like if I close my eyes and I stay quiet I I feel like I'm gonna die like I have to talk so I was like literally like just talk to me just tell me things whatever and I noticed like and mind you I was super groggy so whatever they had me on like I was on some stuff like it was I couldn't feel anything it was just like this like weird like tingliness and like being in and out of like I was conscious but I like I was like just not all there like um but I remember like them struggling for like the longest time with this c-section when they got started like I couldn't feel anything and they I remember they had to like push my tummy up because obviously I had a really big belly um it was just way different experience than with the night when I had Mav or Max um and it, it took forever. It literally, and I remember them, like, when they finally cut me open, I remember hearing, like, all this water hit the floor. And I guess it was my, you know, having all that extra fluid. And it was so weird. It took so long. And she was, like, struggling. Like, I can remember her feeling, like, trying to get the baby. And where I remember with Max, it was literally, we were in and out in 20 minutes. The surgery, taking the baby out, everything was 20 minutes. And this was way longer. And what ended up being was because I had such high amniotic fluid, um, the baby wasn't in position to be delivered. He was like way up, like up high, not down like low to like my pelvic area. And she couldn't reach the baby. So there was panic, obviously. Um, so what they ended up having to do is they ended up having to, you know, normally when you get a C-section, you get like this kind of like moon shaped um, scar or like cut. They actually had to turn it into a Y. So they had to cut down my uterine wall um, to make it the opening bigger because one, the baby was huge, but also because they needed to vacuum him out of my C-section. I never even knew that was an option. And at the time, I just I just felt a lot of tugging, a lot of pain. It wasn't painful. I wasn't in pain. I couldn't feel anything. I just, I couldn't, I didn't even know I was breathing. But just the experience itself, like, and for it being so long, and I'm trying to stay awake, and I'm just trying to, like, be calm, and, like, it was a lot. Um, but they got the baby out, um, and I remember I was really worried because he didn't cry right away like Max did. Um, but, and it, maybe it was just because I was so, like, out of it. Maybe it seemed longer. Um, but he was fine. Um, he didn't need oxygen or anything. I remember getting up and looking or not even getting up, I remember being, like, I think moved to, like, a different bed, or I don't know what it was, but I remember when I was being wheeled out of the operating room, I remember looking at the floor and seeing fluid everywhere. It was disgusting, um, but it was insane, like, just such a completely different experience as opposed, you know, or from when I had Max. Like, Max was, 20, like I said, 20 minutes, the surgery was done, they, you know, closed me back up, and I was back into my hospital room. Or this was like, no, I was literally in the operating room for over an hour um, and it was a struggle. They had to cut into my uterine wall um, and then they had to sew me back up or whatever they had to do. 
And then I didn't go back to my hospital room. I went into recovery, which I was in recovery for like two hours. Um, I was sleeping most of the time. Um, I, after I woke up, they wanted to make sure that I can like handle like some type of liquid. Um, which with me, when it comes to anesthesia, I get really nauseous and sick afterwards. And I always throw up at least once or twice. And that was the case with, um, with being in recovery. I definitely got sick and it took me a, a minute to get back upstairs and then they also had an issue with my blood pressure, I think, again. So they wanted to make sure that my blood pressure was back to normal before they took me up. So I don't think I went back. I didn't get to my hospital room till like 8 o'clock at night. And mind you, I had the baby like at 11 or 10. So yeah, it was a long, long recovery for that time. And then when I finally was upstairs, it was just, it was, it was, this whole like delivery was such a different vibe than when I had Max obviously because when I had Max my husband was there the whole time and with Maverick he wasn't so after Maverick was born he was there with me like the you know up until it was time for me to go for um till it was like 10 o'clock at night then he went back home to take care of um to take care of Max because Obviously, Max was, you know, my mom had to go back to work or she had to go take care or help my aunt with like the funeral arrangements. So it was just, it was a lot. So that was, you know, the plan was Izzy was going to leave. Like, even though I had just had Ma Maverick earlier that morning, he had to go. So luckily, the nurses were able to keep Maverick in the NICU until I was, you know, the next day, um, just because I had just had really major surgery um, and I was going to be alone. So they were willing to help me out, thankfully, um, and which I'm super thankful for. Um, but it was just weird. Like, my recovery was different. The pain, oh, my God, there was pain. There was so much pain recovery-wise. I actually had, like, what they call a wound vac. So basically, it's, like, this, like, little, like, plastic, like, suction thing with, like, a tubing. And it, like, makes sure that it keeps, like, the surgical site dry. So now it's connected to, like, it's, like, little, like, machine bag. Like, it was a little machine that I connected. Like, it almost looked like a little purse. And I would have to carry it with me, like, if I were to, like, leave my bed. But it was constantly suctioning the moisture out to keep, to avoid infection and to make sure that, you know, my wound was healing properly. Um, but it was, the pain was, like, crazy. Like, I would get up from bed and it literally felt so heavy. I felt like my insides were going to fall out. Such a crazy experience, and it was worse because I was by myself. So I was taking the care of the, taking care of Maverick by myself. Um, I didn't get a lot of visitors, um, you know, like I did before. Like you know, when Max was born, I had like my best friends come, my family members, Izzy's family members, like my aunt, my uncle, everybody. And this time, I only had I think my sister came the following day, um, and then my sister-in-law came with her kids and then my mother-in-law came with my brother-in-law and then I, mommy my mom came too with my sister and they brought max but it was just different like I didn't have like my friends didn't come like it just it wasn't and then obviously my aunt didn't come because my uncle had passed and my grandma or my grandpa didn't come because you know my grandma was in a rehabilitation facility so it was a whole different like it was very lonely I felt very alone like I was doing everything by myself like, literally, I'm so thankful for the nurses that were there. They were completely different than the nurses I had dealt with at the hospital before with Max. So I was so super thankful. They were so helpful. I mean, when it came to, like, feeding, like, they were just there. And they knew that I was alone for the most part, you know, except, like, Izzy would c come at night and he would stay with me during the night. And my mom would stay with Max at night. And then he would leave first thing in the morning. Um, and we did that for five days. Um, cause I had to make sure, cause Maverick ended up having jaundice, um, which, um, we kind of, I kind of expected cause Max had jaundice too. Um, but I was, and also for recovery. So, which the cover recovery was a lot more intense this time around. Um, literally like it was, it wasn't like unbearable pain. It was just so like hard to like move around. Um, but that wound vac did help, um. But yeah, I mean, it was, just, it was just really different. And recovery-wise, too, I was a lot more... I was aware of my wound as opposed to when I had Max. I was, like, you know, doing whatever, whenever. Like, this time I was, like, you know, making sure that Max was, you know, not jumping on me. Like, I know this was, you know, a more intense surgery. Um, 
but you know, and that was scary because they, because they had cut into my uterine wall. Um, if I were to have another baby, um, and this was something that where I was really concerned about when they told me this, cause they're like, you know, you have to be careful. Like if you have another kid, because if you go into active labor, you're, you can, you're, uterine wall could rupture and you could hemorrhage and die. I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, no pressure. Um, but I had asked them too. I'm like, well, not that I'm considering having kids. Like I'm not sure where I am at with having a third kid. Um, we had always talked about three kids, but, um, after this whole, um, pregnancy and delivery, I'm definitely a little more nervous about it. Um, but I, when I did talk to the doctors, they did say, you know, it's not uncommon. Like a lot of people do have, you know, whether it's a, you know, uh, an injury or they had a surgery like this, like they're able to have kids and not, um, and be okay. You just have to be pro, you know, be a little more cautious and not obviously like we would have to deliver your kid at 36 weeks, like no matter what, Mm -hmm. and just make sure you know you're high risk and, you know, just constantly be like how you have been. So, I mean, I don't know where I'm at with it. I'm, you know, I'm not opposed to having another kid, but I think a lot of things need to be put in place before we discuss it. So we'll see. Um, I mean, I'm not necessarily against it. As crazy as this pregnancy was, as intense as my, you know, surgery was, I'm still super blessed to have Maverick. He is such a character and he's exactly what I needed. And so with that being said, if you're planning on having kids or if, you know, you're hearing the story and thinking like, oh my God, they vacuumed her C-section. Like it, it's scary. Yeah. It's intense, but I mean, you just have to trust your doctors, have faith. And, you know, I had faith in God. I prayed, you know, whoever you pray to, like, just be positive. Um, do your research on your doctors. Um, don't like, I know a lot of people kind of just like go to like where their hospital is, like, research, research your doctors, research your area, um, and see what, like, you know, look up reviews, like, don't just go with any doctor, look up, you know, with your insurance, and look up their reviews, and, and here, you know, word of mouth is definitely, you want to see, like, where your friends or family members, where they delivered, um, and don't be afraid to advocate for yourself, don't let people bully you because you're a first-time mom, advocate, speak up. Don't, that's what I, that was my biggest regret when I had Max was I didn't speak up and I should have. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for support. Like I wish I would have asked for more support when I had Maverick. Um, that could be why I struggled with so much postpartum depression when after I had him, because I was super alone throughout the first five days. And when I think about it, it kind of makes me sad. Um, but obviously it was a really, really tough time. And I'm sure a lot of women are going through it now during this pandemic because you can't have anybody but your significant other, other there for most um, hospitals. So I don't know. Just And then if you're friends of people who are pregnant or you know somebody who is, just check up on them. You know, maybe they just they feel a little lonely. Um, but this is a super long, super long story. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys listened through all of it. Um, but yeah, thank you for so much for that is his birth story. A little bit of Max's. It was a little bit intense, but he's here and he's healthy and he's amazing. Um, so thank you so much for listening to this, you guys. I am hoping next week to come back with an actual guest host and it's going to be an amazing topic. So I can't wait to let you guys hear it. Enjoy the rest of your day and be blessed, guys. Bye.